What is up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Big Ten Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Sager. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam G. Sager. Same thing on Instagram. Believe it's the same thing on TikTok. If you want to get little snippets of this show, the Sean Charlesbury Show, which I'm also a part of here on the Believe Network. Uh, some good things uh, going as the college football season is now starting to pick up. We have a couple weeks in. Uh, some teams have played up to three games. Uh, but we got some big storylines coming in the Big Ten. We've got a coach fired. The first college football coach fired of 2022 is in the Big Ten. We've got a quarterback change at one of the top teams in the country. We've got a upset in the top 25 for a Big Ten team amongst, I think it was seven, I think it was six or seven top 25 teams lost games this weekend. So we had some movement in the AP poll and then an offense that's just in shambles. But let's start with the first college football coach fired of 2022, and that's none other than Scott Frost. At Nebraska, it's just been a disaster since he got there. And, you know, there's always this danger where you bring in a legacy. You bring in somebody that meant a lot to your school. And Scott Frost, you know, as a quarterback, was a big-time player at the University of Nebraska when they were good. So now he comes back and he's brought into – take this program and turn it back into what it was like Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, former quarterback at Michigan, Michigan had kind of been stumbling around through the rich Rodriguez era and Brady Hoke era. And it just wasn't great. You bring in a, a legend at the university of Michigan, a former NFL coach in Jim Harbaugh and things are immediately got better. He's winning nine, 10 plus games a year finally won the Big Ten last year. That's what Nebraska was hoping for. Maybe not Big Ten championships, but you know, winning nine-plus games a year at Nebraska is something that I, I think is feasible, especially playing in the Big Ten West, but it just never worked out. It, it was never a thing that that he was able to do, and you know, during his time at Nebraska, just pulling up his records, Starting in 2018, remember this is this guy had two years of experience as a head coach at UCF, went six and seven, then went 13 and 0, won the Peach Bowl, his final season at UCF. And then he goes to Nebraska, four and eight, five and seven, three and five in that uh, pandemic shortened season, three and nine, and it started out one and two, losing to Georgia Southern this past weekend, and that was the final nail in the coffin for the university. Mickey Joseph takes over; he's the associate head coach. Uh, he's got a tall task because that team does not have a lot of talent. That team does not play very hard and things could not be worse in Lincoln right now for the Cornhuskers. I, I don't know what kind of coach is going to want um, this Nebraska job. Of course, there's always young and up and up and coming coaches that want their shot at the power five. They want their shot in the big 10 and that's what Nebraska gives to some guys. Also, there's some coaches that want to get that shot again that have been in the big in the in the power five, you know, if it's Pac-12, SEC, ACC, whatever it is, they want their shot to be back in it and <coughs> excuse me, and and have it to where, you know, they get a second chance or a third chance. So it's going to be interesting because 
I think Nebraska could still be a decent team where they're, you know, competitive in the Big Ten West. But it's going to take a lot. And and for this next coach, it's if you're a young coach, it's a risk because not all young coaches come in and get this first shot and everybody's like, oh, well, you know, they were at Nebraska, so let's give them another chance. Sometimes this is the only chance they get is their one shot to go to a Power 5 school and they're there to turn it around. And if you don't in the first three or four seasons, you know, you're out. I mean, look at Scott Frost. The dude is a legend there. And he lasted four seasons plus three games. That's it. Wasn't able to do it. 16 and 31 during his time at Nebraska. And remember, <clears throat> this is the school that fired Bo Pelini, who had Nebraska going in the right direction. At least he had them competitive. I don't want to say going in the right direction because we always expected Bo to take that next step with Nebraska and he never could. But he had a big winning percentage. Scott Frost doesn't have that. I mean, he's a 340 win percentage at Nebraska. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it, it was, I think, an easy decision for the university. And we'll see what happens as the season goes on. They're going to be scouting, you know, what, what big up-and-comers our, our offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators or, you know, who wants their first shot at, at being a head coach. And yeah, there's plenty of names out there. You know, you look at um, Michigan's former offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, but it feels like, you know, he's waiting for a better job. He's now at the university of Miami as the OC down there. Maybe he's going to wait for a better job than Nebraska. Um, you know, a guy like Luke fickle is not leaving Cincinnati for Nebraska. You're looking for somebody that can come in and and recruit but change the culture in terms of let's run things a different way. Let's, you know, let's do things differently than have been done in years past. And it's going to be interesting to see which direction they go because you could go the route of a coach that has been with a Power 5 school that has had some success in the past but didn't live up quite to uh, what – their former school was expecting and you know a, a guy I immediately thought of that I don't know if he would take the job he just may love where he's at now and that's former USC head coach Clay Helton who ironically was the team the coach at Georgia Southern that beat Nebraska that got Scott Frost fired or that at least was the final nail in the coffin you know maybe a guy like him does he want to get back in there's a lot of guys out there that I think um, would be interested in this job but it's just a matter of which direction does Nebraska want to go. So that's what we're going to have to see there. Uh, the other big storyline uh, from this weekend, Michigan. They go out, they whip up on uh, Hawaii. They did not cover the 52-point spread, which I think would have been crazy if they did, <clears throat> especially considering the fact that J.J. McCarthy only played a half, and he was tremendous. I mean, he was great. And then that is why Jim Harbaugh immediately came out after the game in his post-game press conference and said, J.J. McCarthy will be the starter against UConn. The tide has turned. This is now J.J. McCarthy's team. We saw the explosive offense against Hawaii. And yes, I know it was against Hawaii. 
maybe the worst team in college football when it comes to Division One. But you saw exactly what you needed to see. You can only play the team that is in front of you. And yes, Michigan picked Hawaii. That's how it goes. And set it up. But the, they had a rain delay. Or should I say a lightning delay? And it didn't phase J.J. McCarthy one bit. The defense was dominant. The offense was great. First time they touched the ball, Blake Corum had a roughly, say, a 20-yard run, and then J.J. McCarthy over the top to, to Roman Wilson for a touchdown. Roman Wilson from Hawaii had to feel good, scored two touchdowns, also scored on an end around uh, to show off his speed. I, I think J.J. McCarthy was trying to pull up the stats, and, of course, my computer does not want to to listen to me right now, so kind of driving me nuts, but I know he was 11 of 12 through a couple touchdowns trying to get the scores here. Um, Here we go. He was 11 of 12 for 229 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions was basically perfect throwing the ball only ran the ball one time for 16 yards because that's all he needed to do. They didn't feel like they needed to put him out, um, put him out there to to possibly get hurt. You know, in, in games, we know what his feet can do. No reason for him to go take unnecessary hits in a game against Hawaii. Blake Corum was great, averaged almost 10 yards per carry. Donovan Edwards only had three carries, did not uh, do much in terms of rushing the ball, only had one catch, only touched the ball four times. But those four times, he had 59 yards uh, and a touchdown. So the, let's see, Blake Corum, C.J. Stokes, Isaiah Gash, Donovan Edwards, and Roman Wilson all had rushing touchdowns on top of the uh, three passing touchdowns from J.J. McCarthy. So J.J. McCarthy is the starter moving forward. This is his team now. This is his chance. And for anyone trying to put down Cade McNamara, don't put him down. This is the guy that just led them to a Big Ten title. He was the starter all last year. He beat Ohio State. He beat up Iowa in the Big Ten championship and led them into the game against Georgia. Yes, he's not as talented as J.J. McCarthy. A lot of quarterbacks in the in the country are not as talented as J.J. McCarthy. But Cade McNamara would start for a lot of teams in the Power Five. You start, a lot of coaches would love to have a kid like Cade McNamara. And I just hope he sticks around this season because, um, you know, he's a leader. He was voted captain. The players love him. J.J. McCarthy respects and loves having him around and has said multiple times he's learned a lot from watching Cade McNamara play football. So I hope Cade sticks around. I completely understand if he transferred after the season. Um, go find a spot where you get to play and hopefully show enough that maybe you could be an NFL quarterback. You know, you can't blame a kid for that at all. It just so happened a guy who was better than him was sitting right there. And, you know, it felt like Jim held this decision off as long as possible. But he knows it's time. He knows what J.J. McCarthy can do with this offense that is filled with all 
kinds of talent. So it's J.J. McCarthy's time in, in Ann Arbor, and and it's the right move. It is the right move. Any coach in America would have made, any good coach in America would have made this move. And now it's time to let J.J. McCarthy free. It's time to show what he's got and and hopefully go win another Big Ten title. Go beat Ohio State. Get to the college football playoff again. And you know what? Hopefully have a better showing than they did against Georgia last year. That's what's on J.J. McCarthy's shoulders right now. Uh, looking elsewhere, Wisconsin, top 25 defeat. They lose to Washington State. I talked on this podcast last week. This was a game to watch. I thought it would be, you know, with Cam Ward at, at Washington State, I thought that maybe they could give enough fits to Wisconsin. And quite frankly, <coughs> I thought the Wisconsin defense played really well. The Wisconsin offense, just kind of blah. You know, Braylon Allen was fine. 21 carries, 98 yards, almost five yards per carry. Never was able to break the big one. I thought Washington State's defense was flying around, and their offense did just enough. Cam Ward didn't play out of his mind at all. I mean, he was 17 and 28 for 200 yards, a touchdown and two picks. Carried the ball five times for minus six yards. I mean, a lot those were sacks, but they didn't run the ball particular. They didn't run the ball well at all. I should say only two point four yards per carry on twenty two attempts. That's Washington State. Wisconsin played their game, and they got beat. Plain and simple, there just wasn't enough offensive firepower. From Graham Mertz, who, again, is one of these quarterbacks that is good enough, but he's not good enough to take you over the top. And and that's what they need him to be a little more of. And it turned into a bad loss at home to Washington State. And listen, I'm not saying it's a bad loss because Washington State's a bad football team. I think they're a very solid football team. But this is a game that Wisconsin has to win. This is a game they have to win. So tough loss drops them. I got to pull up the AP top 25. I forgot to pull it up before I uh, I started this recording. But, you know, you, you can't lose games like that and expect to compete for the college football playoff. So, yeah, the, the new rankings are out. Um, we've got... Wisconsin out, Penn State in. Penn State is now 22 after their win uh, this weekend. And and that's fine. I mean, looking at the AP, it's tough because right now it's weird. It's really, really weird when you look at uh, what went on because so many top 25 teams lost games. And now some, yes, lost to other ranked top 25 teams, but it's still seven ranked teams lost. Uh, Penn State beat Ohio uh, 46 to 10. I watched uh, parts of that game. Noah Singleton, the running back, was a monster. 10 carries, 179 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, 
he did exactly what he needed to do. But just looking at the rankings now, Georgia is now one after Alabama almost stumbled in Austin against Texas. Uh, they won 20 to 19. So Alabama drops to two Ohio state's three Michigan is four. Uh, Ohio state came back and looked really good. Remember last week I was talking about Marvin Harrison jr. And how he didn't show up against Notre Dame. He showed up. He was a monster and CJ Stroud and that offense bounced back exactly like I said they would. And I also told you guys that Ohio state Everybody's trying to say, oh, Notre Dame must be really good, you know, blah, blah. No, I said it was Ohio State who did not play well. Ohio State didn't play good more so than Notre Dame played really good and kept the game close, or at least kept the offense down of Ohio State, only letting them score 21 points. I said I thought that was overblown. And it showed. Notre Dame lost to Marshall, and they dropped down the rankings. And quite frankly, I think Notre Dame, I said it before on the Sean Salisbury show here on the Believe Network, that I thought that it was a sham that they were ranked that high. I think, what, five, four, whatever. I think it was five, right behind Clemson. <coughs> They're now 0-2, and, and Marcus Freeman, I believe, is the first Notre Dame coach to lose his first three games when you count last year's bowl game where he was the head coach. So rough start for Notre Dame. They are a non they are not a power or a top 25 team in the country anymore. I mentioned Michigan's at four after their big win over Hawaii. They play UConn next week. Uh Clemson, Oklahoma, USC. USC's offenses look really good. Oklahoma State, another uh good looking offense. Kentucky with a big win. They jump all the way up to nine from 20 after they beat uh, Florida in the swamp. And that was a surprise of the weekend that Florida uh, looked as bad as they did against Kentucky. Arkansas, another Big Ten team in Michigan State, 2-0. and I put out my rankings, my top 10. I had Michigan State in the top 10, I believe, over Arkansas uh, slightly. I believe. I'd have to look at Twitter again uh, to see my top 10, but I had Michigan State in the top 10. Uh, then it would BYU, Miami, Utah, Tennessee, who had a nice win over Pitt. North Carolina State, Baylor falls from 9 to 17. Florida falls from 12, I believe it was, to 18. <coughs> Wake, Texas, uh, Ole Miss, Texas at 21, jumps into the top 25 after a loss to Alabama. But it was a 20 to 19 loss. And um, I'm not going to get into that game because this is a Big Ten podcast, but I still have questions about Texas. And it sucks they lost Quinn Ewers. Uh, that game could have been completely different. And then you got Penn State at 22, Pitt at 23 after a loss. AM drops all the way from six to 24 after the loss to Appalachian State. Um, Texas AM are all, always frauds. And then you wrap it up with Oregon, who is one and one. They have a big game against BYU this coming weekend. Uh, so when you look at the at the top storylines in the Big Ten, we hit them all except for one. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I have this cough that I'm trying to get rid of, taking medicine. It's been going on forever. Last storyline I'm going to hit on. 
Iowa. We just saw Scott Frost get fired, and I know he's been bad at Nebraska. Kirk Ferentz has been at Iowa for a long time. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. I, I mean, he's been there a long time. And, yes, they were in the Big Ten title game, and they got their blow their doors blown off against Michigan. Kirk Ferentz has been there since 1999. So what's that? 23, 24 years, 24 seasons. This is his 24th season. Yes, they've won 10 games a handful of times in those 24 years. Uh, I think that he always has them playing at a pretty high level. Always is over 500. And we always hear, oh, Iowa can run the ball down your throat and then use play action and play good defense. Now, when we say offensively, it's kind of a it's a struggle at times. It's a very big struggle right now. They've scored 14 points in two games. They lost to Ohio or Ohio, Iowa State 10 to 7. They should have lost to South Dakota State two weeks ago. They won seven to three on field goal and two safeties. They scored one touchdown in two games. Spencer Petrus has looked awful and yet is still the starter. And Kirk Ferentz's son Brian is the offensive coordinator. It's it's been beyond brutal. Let's put it this way. They are dead last in college football in yards per game offensively. And when I say dead last, I mean by 72 yards. I didn't say seven yards. I said 72 yards per game. There, Just put it something like 240 for, I don't remember the school, 170-ish. For Iowa, 170 yards per game on offense in college football is unheard of. It's unheard of, especially when you're two games in and you've played South Dakota State and Iowa State. I know South Dakota State's one of the best uh, Division II FCS teams there is every single year. I understand that. But you can't do what you've done against them in Iowa State. It's putrid, and it's come to the point of when is enough enough at Iowa? Are you good with this? Fine. If you're good winning 10 games every few years and and making a a Big Ten championship and, and, you know, every few years and and you lose to Michigan, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, or Penn State, because normally those are one of the teams in the Big Ten title game. Fine. Good. Uh, then then live with it. But I don't want to hear you bitching week in, week out. Like, oh, we got no offense. We got no offense. Well, then demand this guy's out because he's put his son in charge of the offense and things are getting worse. And nothing's ever changed. Remember when Harbaugh came in at Michigan, it's kind of the same thing. It was he was such a run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, you know, 
play action, dump off, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, you know, just old school mentality. And over the years, he learned. He brought in different guys. He brought in Josh Gaddis, who completely changed the offense. And now he's brought in Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore as co-offensive coordinators to replace Gaddis. And they've keeping that OPEC house at the RPO with, with McCarthy now. And we see a more up-tempo offense, a more exciting, high-powered offense. We don't see that with Iowa. That change has never been there. It's been the same Iowa for 24 years. So I'd say it's time to make a change. And then just looking at the rest of the scores uh, from the weekend as we wrap this episode up, I mentioned Ohio State beat up Arkansas State 45-12. to Offense looked good. C.J. Stroud over 350 yards passing, four touchdowns. Uh, let's see, Michigan State 52-0 over Akron. That was a beatdown. Minnesota 62-10 over Western Illinois. I, I talked about that game and how – Minnesota showing, you know what? They may be right there uh, in the Big Ten West is a chance to head to Indianapolis and face whoever comes out of the East in the Big Ten Championship. They're a real threat. Penn State, I mentioned, beat uh, Ohio 46-10. to Maryland looked really good, uh, 56-21 over Charlotte. Uh, Tua's little brother, Talui, or I don't even know how to say his name, Talia Tungavailoa, 27 of 31, 391 yards passing, four touchdowns. Illinois beat up Virginia. I said that would be an interesting game. No, Illinois came out and stomped them 24 to 3. So Brett Bielema, two and one. And the, the frustrating part for the Illini is you should have beat Indiana. You could be three and oh. And I'm not saying they're a threat to like go to the Big Ten title game or anything, but those are the games you can't lose. You cannot lose to Indiana. Purdue, 56 nothing over, over uh, Indiana State, and I said they'd come back and, and look really good, and, and that's exactly what they did against a bad team. Uh, Rutgers ran away against Wagner. Uh, I mentioned Georgia Southern ended Scott Frost's career at Nebraska. And then Indiana beats Idaho 35 to 22. So another interesting uh, week of games. Things will only get more interesting from here. But we will start talking about next week's games on the next Big Ten Buzz podcast. Again, I am your host, Adam Sager. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam G. Sager. And on Instagram and TikTok, you can find cuts from this show, the Sean Salisbury Show. But it's all on the Believe Network. Thank you for to Believe for allowing us to put this show on for you guys. All right, we will talk to you later this week as we preview next weekend's set of games. And uh, maybe we hear a little something about Nebraska in the coaching search as that gets underway. But I don't expect anything to be finalized till much later in the season. All right, that'll do it for me. Again, I'm Adam Sager. Thank you for listening to the Big 10 Buzz Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.